Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm uh, one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we're very happy and excited to have in studio Baba Brinkman. Hi, Baba. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So nice to have you here. Uh, You're in town to do a show tonight and tomorrow uh, at Granville Island? Yeah, the Review Theater, and the show is The Rap Guide to Climate Chaos. Okay, so we're going to get you to start the show off with a piece uh, from there. All right, so uh, this this is one that I'll use to introduce myself in case any of your listeners happen to have not heard of me before in the past. Forgive me for producing some emissions and pollution, but this rhythm and the music is my living. When I do it, I get paid. Yeah, it's been a decade since I've had a day job, and I did it my way, like Frank Sinatra. I'm just kicking up a racket. I could be at a university teaching classes, but this is more fun than teaching. Look at the people I'm reaching. Been around the world. I fly to Europe for the weekend, do a gig in California before I fly to New Zealand. Encyclopedic Rolling Stone. Pinch me, I'm dreaming. And you can check my status. Got a USV. Visa 01, artist of extraordinary achievement. This is all I've ever wanted, baby, living the life. In the past five years, 150 flights, 15 countries, 40 states and provinces. And as for carbon emissions, I'm off the charts with it. Fossil fuel is how I got here, both to entertain you and in my career. If you're earning something, well, then you're burning something. Prosperity is driven by internal combustion. Because, hey, I've been burning the hydrocarbons at both ends, burning to make money and burning to spend. And no one tells me how to dispose of my own property. A globe-trotting solo artist with total autonomy. This is what I am. Fossil fuel is a part of me. It powers 80% of the global economy. In other words, if you have some money, it's got oil stains on it. Your hands are bloody. And if you don't believe me, go ahead and do a study. Pimping ain't easy. You better ask somebody. Cooking with gas is pimping. Driving the car is pimping. Energy consumption is pimping. Look at how we're living gangster compared to horse and buggy days. Cranking up the air conditioner on muggy days not freezing to death in the winter if energy consumption is a sin I'm a sinner life is good it's better than it used to be let the good times roll fossil fuels are cheap that's how we stay hella major prosperity is the bomb player hater wait turn off the lights conserve power everything goes dark it's earth hour we're taking action on climate change all together now Back to the Stone Age. In the meantime, I'll be up in Vegas illuminated, laughing at you player haters. Face it, ballin' is part of our nature. Embrace it. You love energy wasting. Would you rather be living large and comfortably or in a shack burning dung for heat? Some people don't have a choice, but you do. So don't hit me with any hypocritical voodoo about trying to reduce my footprint voluntarily. I'm trying to make ends. I can't let them barely meet. I'm always trying to get more gigs and fly 
time more. I got a wife and a daughter to provide for, and maybe one day solar will supply us. I hope so. It's better for global climate. Just don't make me choose between solar and diapers, and don't make me switch off my amplifiers. So where my fossil fuel ball is at? If you're burning something, holler back. Yeah, where my fossil fuel ball is at? If you're burning something, holler back. What, you guys are not going to holler back? You know your fossil fuel ball is. You know you're burning something. Let's well, be honest up in here, right? a baller, but. Well, you do live in a Western democracy, which means your carbon footprint is a lot bigger yeah, than a Haitian's. Of course. Uh, and then the last bit goes, we got Mother Nature on the back, but it's a one-time thing. Never call her back. Holla. You make me want to go turn the lights off right now. <laughs> or have them flash strobe. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because when I do that one live, no one hollers back. Right. And I get to sort of like catch them in the act of not admitting to their right. own participation. And it actually creates this meta moment that usually gets a big laugh. And then people go, well, you know, the hell with it. It's true. I drove here in a car. I'll holler back. Woo. And then I'm like, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So are you? Oh, now you've given it away. <laughs> so are you? Uh, are you uh, playing a character when you're doing that uh, piece or yeah, the, I was, the show, the whole show? Well, or? you know, a lot of the details of that rap are fully accurate. Yeah, you sure. Know, I I have t- taken 150 flights in the last five years, and my carbon footprint is huge. And yes, I'm also playing a character because I'm refracting those facts through the persona of the ballin' rapper that brags about his status. And, and, but uh, the honest side of that is I'm not quitting my job for climate change. I might reduce my consumption, but I'm not reducing my production. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. if we don't reduce production, then what's the point of reducing consumption? Because everything we consume is produced. So th- like sort of switching that perspective that most people, although they say they're willing to rein in their consumer habits, no one's willing to like limit their career trajectory. Right. And that fact means we need to find a way to deal with climate change without asking people to give up their dream jobs. Right. And that's a tough one. You know, that's harder mm-hmm. than making people buy less stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you know I'm I I implicate myself in that as sure. well. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's, when you were go ahead, RC. Uh-huh. Um, when you were starting that piece, I was like, and you were bragging about all the places you've been. I was thinking, um, but then you would have used gas to get there. But then you. That's yeah. That, that was it. You know, that's the whole point of. Let, uh, what I try to do in my show is put up a mirror to the audience and to society. And say, like, how can we deal with climate change while being honest about what we will and won't sacrifice to deal with it and what the terms of that might look like? Right. Because any individual that says, I'm dropping off the grid for the climate, but no one else does it, they've basically just, like, sacrificed themselves to no effect because it really is a collective action problem. So it's only by, like, finding terms under which everyone's willing to rein in equally that there's going to be solutions. So I, I really sort of, like, explore that from multiple angles and, and try to bring people around to sort of institution-level, like, carbon pricing schemes and things like that as sort of an inevitable conclusion because individual sort of unilateral altruism is always going to fall short due to human nature, due to the fact that people feel indignant when they sacrifice and others don't, and they want to see others sacrificing or they won't. I think that's sort of like a core component of human Mm. nature, and that's part of the reason climate's so hard to deal with. Hmm. I wonder, because I I hear lots of times that uh, in in an argument against uh, Canada, as an example, uh, doing 
doing something or British Columbia doing something, whether it's with the, you know, the carbon tax and all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, how come they're not doing it over there? They're not doing it, you know, in this other place and that, and somebody's got to do it first yep. before, you know, otherwise no one will do it. Totally. And somebody has to be the leader in it. And I, I can totally get where, you know, one individual dropping off and not being a part of it can, will probably not have an impact. And the only thing that you're helping is your own conscious conscience um but there has to be a point where somebody's starting something that's true and and in the show i sort of uh you know i i go back and forth between between being dismissive of the sort of martyrdom approach and also then celebrating it in some context because i think social movements are very important and there's you know i i put solar panels on my house does that make me a hypocrite (laughs) Uh, no because i actually think like you can signal to other people that this is important and we're all doing this you know that that it is part of a movement and you know i made a rap album about all these things because i want people to take climate change activism seriously i don't want them to stop doing consumer level things i just don't want them to stop at having done consumer level things you know what i'm saying like, like I that's think, the only thing that they do yeah is, i think is not if things. you if you take a shorter shower and bike to work instead of drive and then feel like you're you know your work is done here then that's complacency but if you do that as well as government level things and be the first to jump, but also find ways to push everyone else to jump, right. I just don't want people to lose sight of the sort of society level uh, of the problem. Yeah, like I do my part and that's enough. Yeah, exactly. Because I think people do have a sort of like subconscious calculator. And actually, this has been shown in psychology experiments. Like if you, let's say, recycle a plastic bottle and then there's a there's a sort of honesty box in the office um Uh, kitchen where you can like take a bagel and pay whatever you want for it the people that just recycled will pay less for the bagel so you sort (laughs) of like you know you like whether you know it or not you're catching free rides in little ways and you're paying your fair share in little ways but actually you may not be aware of how those are offsetting each other in in ways that you know that are Mm -hmm. subconscious so you know i'm worried that a lot of sort of you know because you shop at whole foods therefore you don't have to you know, get out and vote or something, you know, I think that's a real problem potentially. So yeah, I, I was thinking get... about the parallel between like not voting at all, but uh, because you don't think the system works anymore. Exactly. But like voting and trying to change the system. It's a, it seemed like that was a parallel to like to, uh, reducing what you consume, but also trying to work on a higher level, right? Yeah. And Pushing you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for consumer boycotts, you know, like, like I think the divestment movement is epic and it's great, right? But a person that as an individual says, I did this, pff, whatever. If you say we do this, mm-hmm. then that's great, you know, but it's got to be coordinated. Mm-hmm. So the show then, are you, uh, I guess you're, in, you're putting yourself in the middle of this, it's climate chaos, and that, uh, like you were talking about in that opening piece, the things that you're doing and the things that you're trying to do and all that sort of stuff. How, what is the traje- trajectory of the show? Like, where does it start and where does it end up? Well, I mean, it's, it starts with me presenting myself as a sort of like clueless investigator of something that looks interesting to me. So I, you know, I, I actually um, wrote my master's thesis on the Canterbury Tales, yeah. and I have been like foundationally influenced by Chaucer as a, as a poet. And Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales puts himself in the midst of this pilgrim poetry telling competition, but he's the guy that knows nothing. Yeah. He's there saying, all I'm going to do is tell you what they said. And any commentary is supposedly from the detached perspective of this naive observer. But of course, he's like subtly manipulating everything. Like he knows more than he thinks than he's presenting. You know, So mm-hmm. I kind of do that as well. Like, okay, let's, let's see what the climate deniers have to say. And mm-hmm. let's see what the scientists have to say. Oh, let's see what the Pope has to say. You know, And so I sort of like find my way through all these perspectives and adopt them as personas. I do a whole rap, which is like a rap version of the Pope's encyclical 
encyclical Laudato Si. And then I'm like, the Pope's great as an environmentalist. Oh, wait. But he also claims that environmentalism is incompatible with being pro-choice because they're both anti-life positions. So I don't know if environmentalists are really going to try to get on board with that. You know, so then there's sort of like, oh, this is close to right, but not quite, not quite, not quite. And then I sort of go find this synthesis position where I'm taking the strands that make sense from all the various sort of polemical polarized perspectives that I've encountered and and then I'm like audience are you with me on this let's let you know and then try to get them like to to want to take action and and get involved with the movement but not just go home and recycle more yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um so you were doing that acapella but is the show done with music yeah it's all it's all set to beats it's all got a hip-hop soundtrack are we going to play a track or we are we just going to have we were just going to look at it oh we're just going (laughs) to We could. Pretty beautiful yeah, artwork on that like, CD. I, don't I gotta know, say. At some point during the show, do we want to play a track? I, I'd be I'd be down to have a track played. I yeah, mean, okay. I don't know. It depends what, on how fascinating the conversation is. Yeah, what, yeah. How much we're what, sacrificing. If we were to this. play a track, what track would it be? Do you think? Um, like, and then we can talk until we get to the point where we're going to play that if we do. Well, well since we just talked about the Pope, I, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Okay. And I got a whole bunch of vocalists to come in and do like a Gregorian chant on oh, it. Oh, nice. So you're like in the Vatican. Okay, so we definitely wouldn't be able to do that on our own here with the mics. It would be better to play that track. Probably. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't yeah, do the chorus of that song without <laughs> 18 people dressed in brown robes. And what is, uh, do you know what track that is? It's called Laudato Si. And uh, I mean, RC and I have been known to do call and response if we're called upon to do that. But I don't think that we could do a whole Gregorian chant behind 14, you, so, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, that's so. interesting. That it's 14 and it's about the Pope. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave that one to you guys. I have no idea what you're just talking about. Uh, so keep talking because it's, okay. it's queuing so up So you are fr- you're living in New York now. Yes. And you know, that's where you're traveling. That's probably part of the reason it's so easy to travel. I flew here from, from New, New York. York. Yeah. But you're from here originally. Yeah. So I, I grew up here, and in 2011, I had the opportunity to go to New York to do uh, an off-Broadway performance of my previous rap guide, which was about Darwin and evolution. That's why I've heard of you. Yeah, That's and that one actually mean. played at the Colch for a, for a two-week run Yeah, as because well, I remember so. people talking about you having been away and that you were back and you had this show, and that's like, because I was like, I know that I knew that you did spoken word and rap, but I had never met you before, but I knew that there was some familiarity there. So that, so then you went down there, you did that, and then you just decided to stay? I or? stayed my visa. I had a three-year artist visa when I got there, and I stayed it out. And by the end of my three-year artist visa, I was married with a kid. Oh, wow. <laughs> so now I, now I live in New York. Yeah. Um, so you said initially where that this was part of your uh, what you wanted to do was to be a spoken word artist or that happened and well let me, I mean the weird thing about these genres is it's very historically contingent so I wanted to be a poet but as far as I could tell poetry was a singularly depressing vocation when I was a teenager I was like there's no poet like all the as far you know as far as I could tell poets like turtlenecks and coffee shops and depressing stuff right uh, because I had never encountered anything like spoken word but then I was a rap fan already. So I was like, well, if rap is poetry, then that's the most interesting and potent poetry form on the planet. If I'm going to be a poet and not hate my life, I got to be a rapper. So then I learned to rap. And then several years after I was sort of dedicating myself to emceeing, some of this spoken word stuff started coming up from Seattle. And I was like, oh, these guys totally get it too. But by then I was like freestyle battling, like rapping at house parties and was just having so much fun with the music that I never really like wrote anything in the mode of spoken word. Although I've always been friends with lots of spoken word people and gone to shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sweet. And now you're doing that. Though, now right? doing time. the doing the lyrics for the living. And is it all and all of the like all the shows so far have been like a rap guide to the, like the Canterbury Tales, Evolution, and or Darwin? Or well, um, the uh, the rap guide concept actually came in 2009 when I was sort of commissioned by a biologist to try to explain Darwin and rap. So he this guy in England um, he studies bacterial genomics and he had written a book called The Rough Guide to Evolution. Uh. You know, the Rough Guide series is like the books for dummies series, right? But this was the guy that wrote the book on evolution. Mm-hmm. So he reached out to me. And he said, um, I'm organizing this Darwin event. If you can write some songs about evolution, I'm going to fly you here to be our Darwin Whoa. rapper. And you should call your stuff the rap guide to evolution to go <laughs> with my rough guide. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. But then I realized there's a franchise in this. Yeah. So since 2009, I've done seven different rap guides to subjects, of which climate change is the most recent. The Canterbury Tales I did in 2002 oh, okay. before the rap guide or any of the science stuff had come up. Because I'm a humanities person, right? I studied poetry. So I'm sort of like moonlighting as a science communicator now. <laughs> uh, but that's not my background at all. Let's give that guy a shout out. What was his name? Uh, his name is Dr. Mark Palin. And I uh, recommend you check him out. He blogs and he's a great science communicator. And, you know, I kind of owe this whole thing that I'm doing yeah. now to him. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So we've been listening to Baba Brinkman and we're about to hear a track from because so you've got this show, but you've also got a CD, The Rap Guide to Climate Chaos. So if somebody goes to the show tonight and hears it and wants to take it home with them, they can. Or if they can't make it to the show, they can get this uh, online somewhere. iTunes, Amazon, there Google go. Play. It's all out there. All right. And uh, so if for, for the listeners who took the time to read the entire 60 page papal encyclical, you'll <laughs> recognize many of the references. Uh, but for those of you who didn't, this is meant to be. Um, as accurate as possible, the summary of the Pope's message. So every line is based on something the Pope wrote. Uh, well, I'll be interested to hear about what you do and don't agree with. All right. So uh, let's take a listen. You're listening to it. Uh, Baba Brinkman here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And our show is Wax Poetic. <laughs> Techno capitalists don't want to mess with me. They just picked an epic rap battle of history. They're trying to defend carbon while I'm the holy sea. I'm the Pope. This world is a paradise, and we're degrading it with our dominant technocratic paradigm. It's time for an ecological conversion. I'm as sure of that as I'm sure the Lord was born of a virgin. This earth is our home. There's nowhere else to go. We're worshiping a false god. Unlimited growth. We're poisoning the oceans and the air with carbon. We're making a golden calf out of the free market. But we're part of this world. We're created out of its dust. If we don't put limits on our appetites, they diminish us. The root cause of global warming and inequality is rampant consumerism, spiritual poverty. Protecting creation. I'm the 
first pope with the sense of rhythm at the heart of my faith is environmentalism as a christian i can say that today's market fundamentalism is worse than any fundamentalism found in religion but radical change is coming stop ignoring the problem the most prosperous are destroying the global commons while the most vulnerable watch as the sea level rises that's a sure path to mutual destruction and violence anything less than a total shift in mentality is nothing less than selling our collective soul for a salary worshiping gold is a fallacy stop asking for more Stop feeding your appetites off at the backs of the poor It's a moral imperative to step back from self-destruction And reform the whole system of production and consumption Rich countries owe poor countries an ecological debt They block international action out of national interest Selfish For your crimes against nature You're facing excommunication Consumers driven by greed, selfish companies fight to protect their subsidies, selfish countries obsessed with economic development. Whatever we do next, history is gonna remember it. And don't trust market solutions like cap and trade. That's a trick to keep polluting, even if you have to pay. And those who say we need population control or dodging, we could feed 10 billion easily with greater equality. It's not about government policy, it's about changing consciousness. No technocratic fix for sustained obnoxiousness. These aren't just my views. They're also Jesus's. We need to protect nature, y'all, and also fetuses. I had to slip that in in case you forgot I was Catholic. But mostly we're protecting the poor from the affluent and protecting this earth, our common home, from the tyranny of unlimited economic growth. Your crimes against nature, you're facing chorus going down that you don't do the chorus in the show and you were talking about the differences between the cd and the show yeah and this voice that you're hearing on the um song is simon kendall the keyboard player for uh, doug and the slugs who also happens to be my uncle and the uh, musical director of the whole record so he he sings in three octaves and he did many of the voices on my uh, chorus of benedictine monks concept <laughs> and, and you had some folks from the boom booms the, bo- the boom booms came in and they sang on that chorus as well if there's any boom boom fans out there it's a great east van funk band uh that that i've collaborated with for years and uh aaron nazrell the main singer sings on some of the hooks of this record as well Cool. Uh, so that was taken from the Pope's encyclical, or one of them. Yes. Um, and I was just at the end there when uh, he said something, uh, or you said something about Jesus referencing Jesus. It it made me think because part some people have said I've read about that um, part of the problem, or stemming way 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 back, is that in the Bible, you know, it says it will give you dominion over the the earth and the animals and all that sort of thing, and and our willingness to just to go ahead and do whatever. Um, which can be perhaps a Christian-based or Jewish-based or uh, Old Old Testament-based uh, point of view, could be 
part of the problem. Totally. And, you know, I was making fun of the Pope a bit in that line where I'm like, these aren't just my views. They're also Jesus's. <laughs> yeah. We need to protect nature, y'all, and also fetuses. Just in case uh, you, you know, forgot. In case you forgot, I was Catholic yeah. and, you know, I'm being presented as the voice of God and, you know, his representative. Um, <laughs> you know, but on the other hand, I give Pope Francis a lot of credit because he really pushes back against that retrograde religious view that we have dominion over Earth and can do what we want with it. And he says, no, you know, this is creation and we need to be stewards of it, um, which I think sort of reverses the flow of, of what religion is capable of being in terms of a force of good versus bad. You know, so it's funny because my previous record was Rap Guide to Religion. Yeah. And oh, I okay. personally am a hardcore atheist and don't, you know, don't really go in for any of the metaphysics side of religion. And yet when it comes to climate, many of my allies are religious hmm. because they want to protect the creation. And many of my adversaries are atheist libertarians who hate government and would you know just want government to stay out of their lives therefore everyone can do what they want business as usual pollution continues you know so it's a funny one yeah. politics mm -hmm. makes strange bedfellows for sure what uh, time's your show tonight uh, it's an 8 p.m show at the review stage granville island it's about an hour and 20 minute long safari through the key perspectives and politics of climate change and uh, that's tomorrow night as well T yeah tonight night tonight and tomorrow night both uh tickets at the door theaterwire.com is where you can pick up tickets. Okay. Uh, and just because I don't want to not talk about it, you say in politics, it makes interesting. Your mom is an MP uh, yes. for the federal liberals. That must make for, uh, in, does that make for interesting dinner conversations around uh, climate change, considering the liberals' policies and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and not just now, but as yeah. far back as I can remember. <laughs> and one of the things that I uh, rap about in one of the songs um, in 1992, my mama's thesis was about CO2 and Svante Arrhenius. So if you try to tell me climate change isn't serious, you're dissing my mama. <laughs> yeah, I'm cliquish. But, you know, my mom actually did write her master's thesis on climate change in 92, yeah. which was before anyone was talking about it. And so climate change has been part of the family dinner table conversations at my house since I was a teenager. And there's been no time in my sort of adult consciousness where I didn't like no it was a huge problem and we need to confront it it was just the degree to which other people were aware of that or not yeah. you know, also my family does tree planting i don't know if you guys have heard of brinkman and associates but that's a company my dad founded if you know tree planters they probably work for brinkman okay. and there's a whole climate component around reforestation um for carbon capture so you know it's definitely it's been it's like runs in the blood how does she uh, navigate then dealing with the power structure and her and then her uh, background? Yeah, well, um, you know, my mom was a member of the Green Party originally, and then she uh, quit the family reforestation business to run uh, in 2000 to be a, an MLA with the Gordon Campbell liberals, which was a pretty huge swing. Um, and there was a lot of people in that government that were, let's say, uh, not... Uh, in alignment with her politics, but she, you know, she's also a pragmatist yeah. and she feels like better to, you know, make some progress via the um, wheels of government that are available. She could run for the Greens and not be part of government or she could run for the liberals and be part of government. Of course, you say that she was just part of the federal liberals for the last eight years under Harper, which did not really allow her to, you know, make a direct impact. But now I guess there's, 
you know, a carbon tax has been announced for mm-hmm. Canada, which I know um, Stefan Dion was happy about because that's what he ran on when he tried to become prime minister. It was the best policy document, this green shift proposal he put forward, is exactly what environmentalists and economists are saying is the key way to solve climate change. And yet, uh, I guess people thought his French accent was too strong and couldn't vote for it. Maybe, you know. Um, but it's coming around. Yeah. Uh, so that is all. The, unfortunately, that's all the time we've got oh, for, for this show. We've got we like go. uh, a minute and a half left for a couple of announcements of some shows that are coming up. Yeah, tonight, Twisted Poets with Karen Schlenka and Daniel Scott. As always, that's at Cottage Bistro. Um, Daniel Scott is from Victoria Runs the Planet Earth Poetry Reading Series there. Tomorrow night is a rooftop reading series, which is the launch of the last two issues of Room. Uh, there's several readers, Jen Curran, Aslan Hunter, um, the Canadian Gothic one. I read it on the plane yesterday on the plane when I was burning up fossil fuels. You should be ashamed I of know, yourself. I thought of that in during a thing. <laughs> so Knight is hosting. There's a bunch of people reading, including Ellie Sawatsky. It's a great, uh, I'm not a gothic lover, but it was a great, um, it's a great uh, uh, thing of room. What's the, not episode. I can't remember what the word is. October 14th, uh, there's the open mic at the Lyceum at 8 o'clock at Christiane's Lyceum of Lit and Art at 3696 West 8th Avenue. And uh, chicken session number 22 is at my place on Saturday night. Michelos and Noreen Braun are the features. I don't usually mention it publicly, but you can look it up on Facebook, Chicken Session 22. It's an all-Indigenous chicken session, and we will also be raising money for Indigenous programming on Co-op Radio because our member drive starts on Friday and Sunday. Poetic Justice, Susan McCaslin and Richard Osler. It's a brunch now at 1130 at Boston Pizza in New West at 1045 Columbia Street. And next Tuesday, uh, Adele Barclay is launching her new book, If I Were in a Cage, I'd Reach Out for You. And it will be at the Emerald at 555 Gore. Elizabeth Paczynski, Raul Fernandez, and Sharita Warner will be reading with music from DJ Furious Green Cloud, which is a Brady Marks, who's also involved with Co-op Radio. So there you go. And uh, also on uh, October 22nd, Mashed Poetics, a a night of spoken word and music mashup featuring the music of Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. And on uh, the 26th, we have our second annual Ghost Story Slam. That's at Cafe de Soleil. Uh, Thank you, Baba, for being our guest tonight, today. Uh, Your show is tonight at uh, the Review Stage on Granville Island, 8 p.m., uh, check it out if you can. Thanks I'm, for having me. You guys yeah. have been great. I'm R.C. Weslowski. I'm Pam Bentley. Our guest today has been Bob Brinkman. No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?